Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to be talking about how to achieve peak performance and fulfillment in our personal and professional lives. Our listeners will remember that last season, we touched on the subject of mindfulness for lawyers and why it is so important for us to engage in mindfulness practices so that we can reap many different benefits, including leading more balanced and fulfilling lives and to maximize our performance professionally and personally. I heard from a number of our listeners how much that conversation resonated with you, which is why I'm so excited about our conversation today with an amazing woman whom I had the fine privilege of meeting last year. She is a performance strategist, international TEDx and keynote speaker, author, and founder of the company Path for Life, Inc. It is my privilege to welcome Jeanette Bronet to the show. Jeanette helps leaders and companies rethink performance by asking the right why so that they can lead themselves and their people better and achieve sustainable success. She is passionate about how we can create a culture of care by unlocking what truly drives performance, engagement, and motivation from the inside out. For 15 years, she has coached clients and delivered speeches about how physical health and emotional, social, and mental well-being affect our performance and prevent stress and burnout. She shows how our mindset affects our self-care habits at work and at home and believes that when we leave our humanity at the door when we go to work, we leave behind our most valuable resource for success. She incorporates her background in integrative nutrition, mindfulness, and hypnotherapy to help people work better by working healthy. Born in Denmark, she believes that a work culture of care drives happy performance and that investing in people's health at work is the most important foundation for sustainable success, both personal and organizational. Jeanette, welcome to Paradigm Shift. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start our conversation by hearing a little bit more about your background and the work you do with various individuals and companies. Yes, I help them look at the structure around how they work so that they can implement different habits, different tools to help themselves from a, from a human perspective, from a personal perspective, not a technology perspective, but from our human resource perspective, how can we help people feel better, work better, take better care of themselves at work so that we can prevent burnout and reduce stress and have better relationships so that we can engage better um, both as teams or if we're a customer-based company with our clients, but in general, how can we be more present at work? How can we take better care of ourselves so our energy, uh, master our energy throughout the day and really be able to go home happy with energy to spare as well? Because I don't really believe that we need to, or we should choose between career and health. And a lot of people do. 
I think that's absolutely right. And unfortunately, it seems like as business and technology evolve, it seems like people feel like it is a choice, that they have to make that choice to either be happy and fulfilled and balanced or to be successful at work. Yeah. Yeah. And I see too many examples of people getting burned out and not then achieving the success they want to achieve. It, it, the cost is, is so high. And, and in our technology-driven world, we may think of technology as what keeps us sort of racing against time, but technology should really support us in spending our time better. So can you tell us what led to the formation of your business, which we know it was about 15 years ago, was in 2004, and tell us a little bit about yourself personally? Sure. Before 2000, I was in marketing and team, like I was coaching teams in, in um, development and in helping companies create a culture around what their concept was. I was helping retail companies built a retail culture and also had uh, been working in, ma in management and in marketing for, for the past 15 years. And then come 2000, I'm a fashion executive in a company in New York and my mother and my dad, all of a sudden with three months apart, get cancer at the same time. Oh, that's terrible. So they, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. There you are. First, the phone call comes from my dad and he's then in therapy. And then next thing I know, my mother has cancer too. And I ended up spending about two years between the two of them in therapy, uh, in, in, in cancer treatment, and my mother dying from her treatment quite early on um, after it was done. And my dad lasted for another year or so. And then he was, we were basically spending five months waiting with him to die. So after that, I really had to take a hard look at my own life because I was told it was a matter of when I was going to get cancer too, because of my family history, my risk was so high. And I really wanted to understand what is it that not only causes disease, but also how can we take charge of it? Because I saw them feeling like all they had to was sit around and, and wait for something to work in terms of the treatments. And it sort of, for lack of a better word, made me pissed off and angry um, on their behalf and on my own behalf. And I wanted to find a solution. So I founded Path for Life and it was meant to be, originally I wanted it to be a wellness center for cancer patients where they could be during treatment. I was a little ahead of my time at that point. Yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> you were. <laughs> Integrative medicine was not really something that people, people thought it was like, weird. And so, um, and I talked to a couple of people and they're like, well, everybody needs that. Everybody needs to figure out how to take better care of themselves. And I was like, oh yeah, that's true. And so for the past 15 years, that's what I've been focusing on helping uh, individuals who came to me for one-on-one -on -one coaching and counseling about their health and their habits. And what I learned was that we don't do it without integrating a relationship with ourselves. And that's why mindfulness is so important. That's pretty remarkable. And I know that your business has evolved since then, and we'll get into that yes. as we chat today. Um, so we know that what you experienced with your parents clearly had a very fundamental impact on where you wanted your life to go. Um, beyond that, are there any other things that have happened to you, any things that you've learned during the course of your professional and personal life that made you decide that ultimately this is your life path? 
<laughs> yes, very much so. I was fired from my uh, VP of a fashion company job when my dad died because, uh, sorry, when my mother died because I now had to take care of my dad. And I was like, wait a minute, I have given everything to this company. I'm here 24 seven and I start at 10 o'clock on Sundays. It was just insane. And I felt so, um, you know, I had, I had their back no matter what but they didn't have my back when I needed it. And um, that's I was terrible. What an it, awful it was, feeling. It, it was an awful feeling. And it was also a real disappointment. And like I was looking at it going, you're, you're, you're seriously thinking that I'm going to let this sort of make me not do my job. It was just, it was not that I couldn't do my job. It was the amount of time I was spending at my job. And I said, there's something really wrong here. There's something really wrong in how we think about success as amount of time that we spent chucking along rather than the quality of the work that we put in. Absolutely. Well, and you know, it's interesting because I think that more the time goes on, the more we hear about these types of stories of people giving everything and then some that they have, sacrificing themselves, sacrificing their relationships, sacrificing their well-being for the betterment of the organization that employs them. And sometimes they end up experiencing the type of event that you just said, which is a major inflection point yes. in their lives. And I, I actually think that story is a perfect segue to the next part of our conversation. So let's set the context here. The statistics about stress and unhappiness, particularly in the business world, are completely staggering. Yes. 50% of people leave their job because of stress. And 70% claim that bad bosses are somewhere in the mix there as, uh, as well. We all know that a bad boss can look a whole host of different ways. But for most, it means someone working in an environment where you feel forced to be in survival mode rather than in performance, fulfillment, and empathy mode. Yes. Um, so sometimes the most important first step I think we all can take is to address this type of scenario and acknowledge whether or not this type of scenario or circumstance exists in our own lives and acknowledge that it's a problem. Jeanette, can you walk us through the warning signs that each of us should follow or think of or be mindful of um, in order to figure out whether this is a toxic environment that we're in? Sure, sure. You know, the, and adding to those numbers, to, according to Gallup, 85% of, of people are unhappy in their jobs. That's, wow. that's a lot. Yeah. And, and thinking that, that where we work is where we spend most of our time. And the reality is that not everybody, of course, because there's a lot of people that go to work because of a paycheck. And I really appreciate that they are you know, setting that boundary with themselves and, and just saying, that's all I'm doing and I'm just going home afterwards. I think that's fine too. But there's a lot of people who see work as the way to achieve their personal purpose in life, right? It's a, it's a way that we uh, create something for ourselves that we feel is important, or at least we would like that to, to be so. And I think one of the things that are, are warning signs or symptoms is depression. This idea that we go to work and we feel depressed about going to work, that we don't want to go because we're burned out and we need time off, um, uh, that we 
are completely depleted on the weekends and we feel like we have to drag ourselves um, or some of the things that happen when we are pushing ourselves into something that we re- we don't really we really don't want to be there kind of thing mm-hmm. and 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 that's and that's part of it i think a lot of times too the other thing that happens is that we do want to be there and we have a good time but we're not taking care of ourselves in the process we don't get our sleep we don't get food all day we don't drink water all day and so we're just really tired and our energy drops in the afternoon and we keep going on coffee that's not a good sign but as what we normally like, that's what we drive on. We we get up in the morning and we need coffee to get going, and we get coffee in the afternoon to keep going. And that's how I was living my life too. I think many of our listeners and I can <laughs> can identify <laughs> and, and and relate to that also. Um, you know, I love what I do. It's one of those things, and we'll get get to this topic as well a little bit later about the unique nature to a certain extent of certain professions like lawyers, I'd say doctors to a certain extent are also in the mix, not to the exclusion of others. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about the specific stresses that we see in those, in those professions. So let's talk about one of the fundamental reasons that we're having this conversation today. We just talked about some warning signs that you're in an environment that may not be the best for your own well-being and fulfillment. Um, not necessarily the only thing, um, because I think that there there are a lot of people out there that really love their jobs, but may not necessarily be taking good care of themselves, which I think is a little bit of a different conversation. Exactly. Um, but you know, there's this pervasive nature of stress in our society, uh, both at work and at home. On a physiological level, can you tell us what exactly stress is? I think a lot of us have a really good intuitive sense of what it is, but I think it would be really helpful to look at what stress really is on a physiological level and what it does to our bodies. Yes. Um, When we're under stress, our cortisol levels go up. And when our cortisol levels go up, like we want our cortisol levels to be somewhere um, in the lower middle. So that we actually have it. Like cortisol is part of what keeps our focus. It's part of what gets us engaged. Okay. So it's cortisol is not bad. We need some of it. If we don't have cortisol, we can't get out of bed. But that's what happens with adrenal fatigue that we need the coffee to get that cortisol going. So that's one of the reasons why coffee is part of that, that mm-hmm. whole conversation, right? But so we want a certain level of cortisol. But once we get above a certain level, we're starting to get into this mode where we're on the fight and flight. And now we start looking for trouble. We start looking for things that are not working. We start doing things we do to feel safe in our, in our choices rather than looking for new solutions. We start um, feeling that we're caught or like we are just pushing, pushing, pushing. It feels differently for different people, but stress feels like your body starts to cramp up. Mm-hmm. Right, the whole the, your whole system starts to to cramp up. It's it's you're in this fight and flight mode, and this idea that we're just running to reach the goal, and um, and feeling like we're being chased at the same time. So, so that's sort of what happens, and it, it's it's really a basic human nature kind of thing. But but it's it's part of our survival mode in that sense that we can push harder because of that. But what happens is that when we do that in a chronic kind of way, we have constant high cortisol levels, we can't sleep, and, and um, we feel anxious, we have more anxiety, 
Um, but also what happens is we start deteriorating our health. I completely agree with you. I mean, I've watched this happen to a certain extent with myself, but with people who I know pretty well that when you have a hyperactive adrenal gland and it's not just for a day or a week, but it goes on for weeks and months and sometimes years and you don't effectively shut that whole sort of, I guess, um, system down in terms of being hyperactive all the time, um, there are some pretty significant consequences to having a, a chronically hyperactive adrenal gland. Yes. And not sleeping longer term really impacts your metabolism. It impacts your judgment. Um, it causes you anxiety and you start to see things that aren't there. And you probably conversely don't see things that are right in front of you as well. Right. And your temper, your temper changes, right? Because you're under this constant pressure. A lot of people explain to me that it feels like there's a pressure cooker inside of them and they don't know when it's going to blow. That's pretty scary stuff. Yeah, it is, right? We feel this way. We're under this constant feeling and, and um, it's this idea that we're living on the edge, but it's not the edge of innovation and creativity and, 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 and competition and, 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 and growth. It's on the edge of exhaustion and when are we going to fall over and can we make it? I, I completely agree with you. And, um, you know, I know that one aspect of your work is to work with people through this. Do you want to take a moment to talk about how you help people navigate through that? Yes. Um, sometimes um, companies will hire me to come in and just do like a presentation to the company, sort of like a keynote, um, either to um, inspire them to take better care of themselves and motivate them to, to create that shift and change in their relationship with themselves and self-care work. And then oftentimes also we'll go and we'll say, well, what are some of the changes that needs to happen within the company so that we change some of the work structure? What are the, what's the framework that causes people to work this way and how can we change it? We might look at how long are meetings? Are they 45 minutes so that people have 15 minutes to just reset and, 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 and get their nervous system, give their nervous system a break? Maybe go to the restroom, drink some water, or just breathe for a moment, look out the window. Like just these small moments of pausing is really, really important for our nervous system to not be constantly on, 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 on. It's a little bit like driving a car with the, uh, with the full-on speed and then using the brake to slow down. That, that doesn't work, right? We actually need to get our foot off the pedal to slow down for a little bit. And so it's this idea that we need that for our bodies too to just be off for a minute. So I work with companies and looking at how can we create a different structure for our work schedule so that we actually um, implement some self-care habits at work. And I also work with individuals in terms of coaching them in this process um, where I teach in, and I often do that either with uh, in companies as a, as a workshop or a ongoing program where I basically teach a whole uh, process of change and transformation in terms of our self-relationship as it pertains to mindfulness, how our food choices help us fuel and nourish what it is that helps us function at our best. And also then how do we implement habits? Because we can't just think of, of taking charge of our health and our performance as a, oh, okay, I'll just do this and then it happens because we're human beings and that's not how change happens. So right. I work through a nine-step program where we basically step-by-step 
uh, grow the grow what I call the knowledge and implement it so that it becomes wisdom. Because right now, what we have is a lot of information, but we don't know how to apply it to ourselves. Right. If we can learn how to apply it to ourselves, everything changes for ourselves and it affects the entire culture. Well, and I and everything you said just makes so much sense. And I'm excited that during the course of the rest of our conversation, we'll delve into this a little bit more. And I think that especially with the type of issues we're talking about that, um, you know, people, it's very easy to see these sorts of issues when they exist with somebody else. But these sometimes these issues, this, this stress and self-management and self-care sometimes really go to the very essence of who we are as people. And it's very difficult to see some of these issues in ourselves. Yes. It is. And that's why the mindfulness piece is so important because if we can become a little bit more self-observant, self, like we can notice, we can pay attention to our own thoughts and we see that we don't just react. We actually pause for a moment and choose how to act. We can change course. We can change direction. We can change the way we have impact with other people. We change the way we lead, but we also change our own health. We change our own well-being that way as well because now we actually can focus on how do I achieve the goal that I'm trying to achieve by focusing on the process of getting there. We tend to, especially when we're under stress, we just look for getting to the goal and not actually consider the steps of getting there, not considering the process of achieving the goal. And that's where things often break down. Also in, in organizations around communication or in terms of people just sort of not knowing where they're headed, making mistakes, it's, it, it, it breaks down everywhere when we don't focus on the process of getting there. That, that's absolutely right. And, you know, I know that you've done a lot of work with organizations, you've done a lot of work with individuals. Why, in your experience with the, with the myriad people that you've worked with in organizations over the years, why do you think that the discussion we're having today is particularly tough for lawyers? And do you think it's because lawyers are impacted differently or more profoundly under stress than other professions? Or do you think it's something else? No, I do actually think so. Because... The, the profession of lawyers is to look for what's not working, what might go wrong, um, what might be what the other person is trying to get you know, under you or past you. So your job is always to look for what's not working, what's wrong, and what could go wrong. That already pushes a lawyer into a, a stress mode, right? Because we're already looking for all the possibilities of things not working out. So it, it's this idea that um, our, our human nature pretty automatically is the, the going number, so to speak, is 70-30. We're 70% looking for what can go wrong, and we're only 30% looking for what's actually working. That's where creativity and curiosity lives, right? It lives in that 30%. And in the 70% lives our survival mode. But if we're in a profession where we constantly and all the time have to look for what's not working and what could go wrong, that 70% is even higher. Right. Right. So this idea that we have a constructive, curious, and creative outlook, which is part of what causes us to feel light in our bodies. It's, you know, if you look out on the trees and go, oh, I wonder if that tree is going to fall down, you're already stressed out in your body versus <laughs> if you're looking at the tree going, oh my God, that's such a beautiful tree. I love how you know, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because the uh, torts lawyers out there probably identify with that statement you just made about looking at a tree and thinking, oh God, what can go wrong with that tree? It can fall in my house. It can fall in the street on top of my car. You know what I mean? Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because we're always looking out for how to protect ourselves. And so we're always living in this constant survival mode and it affects our health. It affects our own well-being. It affects our mood because it's, it's a, it's an anxiety driven way to look at the world, even if we don't feel necessarily anxious to begin with, but it is an anxiety driven relationship with what's happening around us, but it can also impact all our relationships in general, right? Because if we're critical about something, then we're drawing out the worst in each other and in ourselves. We can become our own inner critic instead of our own inner, inner coach. We might look and have a conversation with somebody and said, yeah, what you just said is not working. Rather than saying, hmm, what you just said, I'm curious about this piece, what would happen if? <laughs> right? right? That's a constructive way of asking a question versus, no, I don't like what you just said, or that's not working, or that could, poss- that could, that could, not, um, that could create a negative impact kind of situation. If that's always what we're looking for, then we're always living in that world. Right. Well, and as lawyers, I I think that part of what separates the great lawyers from the not so great lawyers are those that are able to really critically analyze whatever the situation or the issue is that they're looking at, um, being able to be the best advocate they can be for their clients having the ability to understand the business issues that our clients have and the fact that it's the business issues that drive the context for the legal problems. But it's also, I think, being able to separate ourselves from who we are as people with, from who we are and what we do for our, our job. And I think that some of the Um, consulting and the exercises and the guidance that you provide to individuals and organizations, which we'll get to a little bit more in our next segment. Um, I'd be very interested to hear how you help people sort of dial down. We've talked about it a little bit already, um, but we're going to get into that more in our next segment. And I'm really looking forward to that part of our conversation. Yes, me too. So, believe it or not, we are out of time for the first segment of our discussion. Do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners before we sign off? And where can our listeners find you? I would like to say, you just have to remember that what's really uh, motivating change is the outcome, the positive outcome that we're seeking to achieve instead of being scared of what's going on. And a lot of times when people look at being healthy, they look at it as, I want to avoid disease. But look at it as, what can I achieve when I'm feeling better and I'm taking charge of my health? So that's, that's sort of like just something I want to point out um, because it is an important mindset. Um, and uh, where can people find me? I am at JeanetteBronet.com for um, my speaking engagements and corporate uh, consulting. And then there's a blog and, uh, with articles and resources on PathForLife.com. And I'm on all social media under both names, Jeanette Pone and Path for Life. Terrific. I have so enjoyed our conversation and can't wait for the second half. Me too. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you've enjoyed part one of our conversation with Jeanette Brune about nurturing peak performance and fulfillment through creating a culture of self-care. We hope that you will join us next week for part two of our conversation. I'm your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift 
every Tuesday.